Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are here when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us. I am your host, Elaine England, and we have a really great guest with us, another Liberty Mom, Tenna Hartman. And before she joins us, we are going to talk about the Constitution. And I don't know if you're aware, but in the state of Utah, we passed a a law, actually, making the month of September Constitution Month. So not just Constitution Day, now the entire month of September is Constitution Month. I'm super excited. We have a lot of things happening. We're going to talk about some different activities, but we also want to teach the principles of the Constitution. So today we're going to talk about the three-fifths clause, which is in the Constitution. It's actually in... Article 1, Section 2, and this is the clause that says that, um, I want to read it to you because I like to use the language in the Constitution rather than my own rewritten version, and I keep the Constitution in my purse at all times, so I'm going to grab that, but this is the, the clause that it is, it's really quite controversial, and, and um I'm, I want you to consider if the way that you, what you've been taught about it, the things that you've been told are accurate or inaccurate. So this is what it says. Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3. Um, it says that, and it's under the representation, because they're talking about how to determine how many representatives each state has. And so in doing this, we're trying to add up the population that's based on population. In determining the population, how do we determine how many citizens or how many people live um, in each state? And so that's what it's in regards to. And it says, I'm trying to start kind of at the beginning of the sentence. It's rather lengthy. Um, Determining the number of respective representatives, which shall be determined by adding to the whole number of free persons, so the number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years, excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. So it's saying we're going to count one for every free person, and then those bound in service for a term of years, excluding the Indians, so those bound in service will be three-fifths of each, will be counted three-fifths of each person. So I can see why to a person who hasn't really ventured into the Federalist Papers or read the materials that the Founding Fathers said about where they came from this idea, how they came about it, and why they came about it, it kind of does sound like they're considering a person in servitude as a slave or a, or a person in 
you know, some kind of service, that they are only being counted as three-fifths. Does that mean that the founders perceived the slaves or any Black people or someone in servitude as their value being three-fifths of a person? Is that what that means? Because it does kind of sound like it. I, I, I get it. So, and this is really the narrative that is spoken. This is what is being taught, not only in schools, but also in universities. And the society is kind of buying into this. And I thought it would be really important for us to understand the three-fifths clause. Um, if you were um, in the Northern states and you were very against slavery, which I'm hoping you are, I know that I am 100%. I feel that slavery is evil. It's an evil institution. Of course, we had slavery from the beginning of the earth until, um, frankly, the Civil War. We It has been an institution that has been, sorry about that, got to turn my phone off. Has that ever happened to you? Um, so slavery has been around for forever. And the, the desire for human beings to make other people subject to them and to exert control and power over people is a very sad ref, a reference of people and reflection of how people are. Um, and it is really exciting that we are in a time when people, at least some, desire not to exert power and control over people. And they're able to recognize that we don't have a right we can't own another person. We don't have a right to run and control other people. It's very anti-Christ. It's very anti-God. It's very anti-morality. Um, and it is not wise. And it is not right. It is not moral. So if you lived in a northern state that was very anti-slavery, would you want to count every single slave as a whole? Would you say, you know what? They are absolutely have the same value as everyone else, which is true. So should they not count the same as everyone? That is a very valid argument. But if they do, what does that mean? If the Southern states that have slavery and we're unable to get them to get rid of slavery, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. So those states who were dead set on having maintaining slavery, would you want them, the slate, the states that engage in slavery, to have more representatives or less representatives? Because if you remember, the representatives, the House of Representatives, are determined by the population. Every state has two senators. It doesn't matter how large, how small, how many people are in your state. It's not determined by population. It has nothing to do with it. It's basically every single state has two senators. But in the House of Representatives, it is based on the number of populations, so the bicameral houses. So if you were against slavery, would you want them to have more or less? Okay, so of course, the less representation the southern states, the slave states have, the less powerful they are and the better off our entire country is because that's, le that's more non-slave states having more representation and more power. But also, let me ask you this. So do you also think that you want to say those states, slaves should count? Not at all. Do you want to say if you're if they, if they're, you have slaves in your state, all slaves count as zero. You do not count at all. What kind of message does that send? 
you don't even count. Like we didn't want to send that message either. So you can see the dilemma that the founders who were anti-slavery were in. They didn't want to have them count in the population fully. They also didn't want to send a message that you don't count at all. Plus, let's face it, where were the southern states coming from? The southern states were absolutely vying for every single state. They're part of our population. They count as everyone, and they wanted to count them fully. And of course, you could see why they wanted to have more power and more control and more say in the federal government. So you can see that it was a very difficult dilemma. Now, keep in mind that the founders felt like it was really important to have a unanimous voting on the Constitution, because if you have states that will not agree you have a divided country. You don't, you have two different countries. You don't have a country that is unified. You have a country that has an enemy, possibly, and absolutely, right there on your borders in the same land. And they did not want that. They did not want to divide our nation. They wanted a united states to unite all the states. And in order to unite everyone, there would have to be everyone with different opinions and views. And I don't know if you're aware, states were not singing kumbaya. They were not all aligned. They were very in disagreement with one another. They had different issues. They had different needs. They had different perspectives. Definitely people of high percentage of different faiths, the anti-federalists, the federalists. So you really had very much a melting pot from state to state, especially. And so... They were in very much a dilemma and they felt that it was essential that they have all 13 colonies or 13 states come together and have a unified country and one constitution that would literally bring everyone together and would be a unifying document that everyone could live under. Now, of course, they did put in there that you could not import slaves after 20 years and they believed that that would it would just by attrition that slavery would just kind of go away and it would just die out in 20 years. Most unfortunately, that did not happen. But I do want you to understand the difficulty that it was for the founders who were against slavery to, to, to decide on this. And of course, they, they had to kind of work a way to come together. Um, what if the North had their way and the slaves were not counted at all. Do you think that would be a positive thing? What do you think that the ramifications of that would be? The promoters of the three-fifth rule did not believe that anyone would be count, should be counted at any time less than a person. That was not their idea. They would, if they could have, they would have stated that non-free persons, meaning slaves, would not be counted in representation, but they still wanted them to be counted. They wanted to proclaim that they were human and that they counted. They did not ever want it to be perceived that they were counting humans as zero fitness or not uh, counted at all. That was absolutely not the position of the Northern delegates or the abolitionists. And again, counting the whole number as the Southern states wanted to would only reinforce the institution of slavery. So they had to come up with a compromise, a way to get the Southern states to sign on without giving more power and control to the Southern states than necessary. So minimizing the percentage of the slaves population 
that what they counted for apportionment reduced the political power of the slaveholder states. And that was the desire of most of the states. So in 1787, when they attempted to create this constitution, and they did, um, they wanted to perform to, to create this union and preserve the United States. And they came up with really an imperfect compromise to allow this preservation of the Republic while still having to confront with this moral issue and systemic evil of slavery. So I hope that that helps you to understand where everyone was coming from and why they ended up agreeing. Of course, they didn't want to do two and a half, two point five fifths. They didn't want to do a, a, a half a person. I mean, it was very difficult and they spent a lot of time discussing and debating the percentages, but they were able to come to the agreement of three fifths for the fact that they felt acknowledged the slaves were people and that they counted and still reduced the power of the Southern states. So, um, so that, that is why we have that three fifths. And, and, you know, I think a really important lesson here, because it, it is, it's nothing is really easy. This was a very, very difficult time. And think about like, this is we're we're right now from, from July through September, June, these the hottest months. And if you've ever been to New England, very hot, very humid. This is when with no air conditioning, even their kind of air conditioning, where you open the windows on both sides and let a little breeze come through, they shut the doors and windows. They made sure that they had um, privacy and autonomy so that they could have these discussions and debates without it going out into the media. And it was a very, very difficult time and how difficult it was for them to come up with these decisions and these resolutions. And so I I also want to point out that the founding fathers were so human. They were the best men could God could find on the face of the earth, but they were very human. They were flawed. They were also very amazing. They made great sacrifices. They were ordinary people who did amazing things because their love for freedom and God was so so much a part of who they were and they wanted to be better people and they wanted to improve themselves and they wanted to leave the legacy of freedom for their children and grandchildren. So there are a, a couple of events that are coming up that I really want to share with you. So one of them is coming up on September 6th. So put that on your calendar, Wednesday, September 6th. We are going to be having Timothy Ballard, the star of The Sounds of Freedom, the movie, and the the former president of OUR, Operation Underground Railroad. He will be speaking in Salt Lake. He will be speaking at the Juan Diego High School, which is in Draper. You do have to get a ticket. You have to register to get a ticket in order to attend. And I'm going to tell you two ways that you can do that. Again, it's Wednesday, September 6th. It's going to be at 6.30 p.m. And that it will begin. And Timothy starts speaking at 7. You can go to freedomslight.us. Freedoms with an S. Freedomslight.us. And you can register there on Eventbrite and register and get your tickets. 
for this event, you'll need to give your name and you'll need to give your email so that we can keep track. And then if you do register and you find you're not able to attend, the seating is limited. We only have 1,200 seats. So we ask that if you register and you're not able to, please let us know. And the other way is you can go to utahegleforum.org and they, the Eventbrite registration will be on that website as well because it is being co-hosted by Freedoms Light Foundation and Utah Eagle Forum. So you can go on either one of those websites websites and register, and we would love to have you there. It is free, so the price is great, and we're very thrilled that Timothy is coming to speak, and you'll get to hear uh, not just about slave tra um, sex trafficking, but you'll also hear about Timothy's great knowledge on the Constitution and the books that he has written on the American Covenant. So you're all invited to that. Well worth your time. The other thing, of course, we want to invite you to Freedoms Light Festival. And that, again, that website is freedomslight.us. That is going to be September 14th, 15th, and 16th. That's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So if you have your children in any kind of school, they are invited to bring their entire school or whatever student body they want to. They can make a reservation for a field trip and attend with the school. You're welcome to bring your family and and come. It takes about four hours to do everything. There's 45 different events there that you can participate in. And what you get to do is meet the founding fathers and the founding mothers of colonial America. Those who created this nation and created the Constitution, you get to meet them face to face. And you also get to learn about the artisans and their way of life and that is very fun and very engaging. You also get to learn the principles of the Constitution. So we do teach the Constitution there, but we do it through activities and games. So it's it's more fun. And it's also you're able to retain the information better because you're learning it through experiences. Then I want to make you aware that on Sabbath, September 17th, David Barton, Utah, or America's not just Utah's, American's historian, David Barton is coming to speak, and that is the 17th. Again, you will need tickets to that. And that will be at the Leighton Christian Academy in Leighton, and that will start at 7. So September 17th, 7 p.m., David Barton. And you can go on either one of the websites or whyiloveamerica.com, and you can get tickets there. So that that's we're going to have a really busy September. So I hope to see all of you often and you can really make use of the op op wonderful opportunities that we have to celebrate and learn about our constitution. We are, we just have a minute left, but we do have um, our wonderful guest, another Liberty mom, Tana Hartman. I can't even remember not knowing Tana. Tana is an absolute Liberty mom. She knows and loves and teaches the constitution and she really is about freedom and liberty. And Tana and I both, I can say, we both, we love freedom, but what we really love and embrace and what we really want to teach is true liberty. Being free from the evils of this world and free from our own personal self-indulgent bondage and the bondage of the temptations and the, the literal bondage of this world. And so, and we do that through only one source, and that is through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Or if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, through God, through a higher power. And so I am so happy to have Tana on. We're actually going to be talking about a different form of freedom, and that freedom is, what? how would you call it, Tana? 
What do you, freedom of? Food freedom. That's what I was going to say, food freedom. (laughs) I thought you were going to go, it sounds a little corny, but you know, you can't really be free if you're starving to death. And you're definitely not free if you're being tempted to steal or beg from other people or, you know, I mean, mayhem, we know tyranny is bad, but worse than tyranny is absolute anarchy. And we know that three days without food creates only one thing, and that is sheer anarchy. Yeah. And we would rather have tyranny than anarchy, would we not, as a human race, Tenna? Yes, 100%. So Tenet does an excellent job teaching people how to get prepared, how to be prepared. Because you know what? If you're prepared, you need not fear. If you're prepared, you will have food. And Tenet has an amazing story of, and and she's so inspiring because if you follow her advice, I don't care how poor you are, you can get prepared. So Tenet, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited. This is, I just have a passion for this. And I just want to say that anybody can get food storage. And whether you live in an apartment, you have small space, or whether you're just a single person living on a fixed income, there is a way for you to get food storage. And um, in about, in 2001, I was in the middle of a divorce and I was saddled with a lot of debt from that divorce. And it was a really bad experience. Um, also, I had some health issues. I had some back problems, and I didn't really have a lot of time. And I, I, I didn't have any money. So I asked, "How am I going to do this?" And I just felt like God told me that one of the ways I could get out of debt and be better was to get my food storage. And I didn't really know how to do it because I had no money. But the idea came to me to start with five dollars a week. And so for weeks, for a month, I put away just $5 a week on a separate shelf. And then the next month I did $10. And then the next month I just upped it and I kept upping it. And by the end of the year, I had this whole entire blessing of food storage. And at the same time, I felt like I was shown how to get out of debt and how to better my life. And so I just feel like it just grew exponentially, but it's because I was willing to start And you can start with $5, start with $5 of something that you eat and just set it aside and watch it grow. Watch it grow when you just add that much every week. You can get peanut butter, beans, all kinds of things for $5. And my goal is just to get people motivated to do something. Yes. And see, that's so inspiring how I love that story that Tennis shares about really not having any excess money, just barely being able to survive. I mean, not really even having enough to survive. But because she was willing to do something and make a small sacrifice, it's amazing how she was blessed. So we are we are going to get into more details. We're going to talk more about this. And Tenna's going to share more great wisdom about how you can be prepared and what you can do. And believe me, I, no matter what your circumstance is, if you will make the sacrifice and do a little something, it is amazing how it adds up. Just even a little bit really adds up and how blessed we are. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Stay with us. We'll be right, right back with Liberty Mom, Tenna Hartman.
Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And I'm your host, Elaine England, and I'm so pleased to have Liberty Mom Tenna Hartman with us. And welcome, Tenna. We were just talking about how Tenna, when she was a single mom, how she was able and willing. She listened to the spirit. She was able and she was willing to just put five minutes, five dollars, not five minutes, well, probably ten minutes, five dollars a week aside. And she just scraped and scrimped and came up with five dollars a week. And I I just want to say, you know, tenant, are there places where almost everybody is maybe wasting five dollars a week? Is that possible? Oh, sure. Yeah, a lot of people will buy pop um, on their way into work exactly. or coffee right. on their way into work, um, fast food, those types of things. There's just little candy. That, yeah, candy. Uh, there's just little things that we um, we just spend on because we're used to spending on it. We're, we It's just yes. kind of like a habit that we've gone into. And it's a so, lifestyle. Yeah, you know, and I, I use the example that I can buy five Diet Cokes at McDonald's every day for a dollar, or I could take that $5 and I could buy a box of rice and a, or a jar of peanut butter and I could put that on my shelf. And, you know, in the beginning, it might seem pretty small. And if you use it, the goal is to replace it. But what happens is, is it grows. And, and then the next week and the next week, and after about a month and two months, you start to see that you have this food. And I think there's also an energetic, like psychic thing that happens in that you start to see that you have plenty on your shelf. You start to feel that, oh, I've got food. I'm safe. Oh, I've got food. I have some protection. And that gives you a sense of liberty, a sense of empowerment. It helps you to feel more self-sufficient, those types of things. And so, um, you know, I'm going to say, it's not easy, but but it's simple in that you can do $5. And then, like I said, each month I just increased it. One of the biggest complaints that we get is that people just don't know where to start. And I yes. always say, you know, I talk to waitresses at, at lunch or different things when I'm out for work. And, and I'll just say, you know, just start with $5 and put that away somewhere. The other thing that you can really start with is water, too. We all need water. Yes. And on average, you need minimum a gallon per person, and it's preferred two gallons per person per day. But milk jugs are not really a good thing to store water in, but you can store water in a pop bottle, um, you know, if you're drinking a a soda pop, and you can store water in a juice bottle, and you can put that away as well so you have a little bit of extra water. There have been a couple times when I have lost the water in my home where I yes. live because of a water break, or maybe I have lost it because my husband had to turn off the water to fix something. Um, and I mean, we had a water main problem where I went almost a week without water. And I was very thankful that I had those um, containers of water to wash my hands or to flush my toilet. And so, you know, it doesn't have to be a worldwide pandemic or an emergency. It could be a job situation or just as easy as a water main breaking. 
and it could be a a really big catastrophe. So any of those things can be so outside of your control Mm -hmm. and having water is really, really important. We all know how important water is to us. And that is, that is, it's very, very easy and free to do that, but just find containers that, yeah. And definitely not milk. That was a good point, Tenna, because that's, yeah, I'll just rot. And I, but, I want to caution people too that um, you know expiration dates don't necessarily mean that you cannot eat the food. The, the right. University um, Utah State University Extension has an entire page or two about expired food and how to be able to tell whether it's edible, whether it's not edible. And so um, you know a lot of times you can go to some of the food stores that sell food for less. Maybe, you know, I don't want to promote necessarily here, but there are those stores out there that have close to expiration dates or different things like that. By all means, put those on your shelf if that's all you can afford and just work up to a week supply, work up to a month supply and think about a mom and how much better your children will feel too when they feel like they have that kind of, you know, food um, available to them. And how you feel as a mom, if your child can come to you and say, I'm hungry and you, oh, I've saved some food, you know? And so. I can't imagine anything worse than not having food and having children that are hungry saying, mom, I need, I'm so hungry and you don't have food to give them. I mean, I just, that seems so horrible. I will admit I haven't ever had to deal with it, but I, I don't ever want to have to deal with it not even just my kids, anyone's kids to be in that position. So yeah, it there are there are things we can do. That's such good advice. Really good I do advice. Want to say that I just feel like also that that principle of doing that helped me um in my work life. It helped me in my business. I really just felt like feel like there is a psychological effect that comes with it that um empowers you to a point that you are blessed you are given blessings for trying to be self-sufficient and so you know i just encourage people to just start just start with something and see how it starts to affect your life that's such great synergy because that's what you're really saying is you you start and then it just creates more synergy and then you find things that you can do without ways that you can cut back here and that you can put this away and yeah and when you get expired food or close to expired food that's the food you want to eat and then the food that you buy at the store put it away so that because it will have a longer expiration date Mm -hmm. and so that way you're you're able to subsist and not um not even yeah you can really save you money that's a great way i love that idea because that's a great way to make it happen without it even costing more money yeah and if you don't have anything start and have your goal be one month Let's just start and then two months and then you can expand your food storage out until maybe a longer term food storage. Um, But like I said, so many people, I just, the number one thing is some people just don't know where to start. And so, you know, the goal is let's just start. Right. Yes. You know, the other thing. Getting in motion. Once you get in motion, it just keeps carrying. and, And what it did for me is it helped to set a habit. And so my habit was, is that I was putting $5 away, $10 away. It kind of became a game where it was like, oh, this is exciting. Look how much I got. I can do better. I can do better. But I got in the habit of always consistently doing that. And so when we did have a month that maybe things were really tight, I could pull from the food storage to help my my weekly, my monthly budget. That helped my budget in the long run. 
Um, Ezra Tapp Benson, who was the Secretary of Agriculture, said that food storage is a hedge against inflation, meaning I'm going to buy it now at a lower price and I'm going to I'm going to have it for when it's a higher price. And a really good example of that um, that I use is freeze-dried chicken. Freeze-dried chicken in 2019 was anywhere from $25 to $35, a ten a number 10 can, which is the bigger right. cans. Well, right. yesterday, as I was searching for a class I was teaching, it was $99.99. <gasps> Seriously. And so, yeah. Anyway, wow. um, oh my so that's a that really is... good example of inflation and, and beef dices and hamburger dices are the same thing. We could get those below $20 um, for a number 10 can. And now they're up to $89 a can, $65 a can. And that's an example of the inflation where, you know, if I would have bought it at a lower price, it would be worth a lot now. But you think about that. If I buy it now at this price, what will it be worth in one to two years as we encounter food shortages and um you know and it's just supply chain issues right yeah and and a lot of people don't really know that we we have serious supply chain issues but we have actually seen a great deal of evidence of this. So we're not just like wearing our tinfoil hats and going, oh, right. this might happen. You know, I hope it doesn't, but there's so much evidence. And and when you see, and we, I did a show on this last week. If you, if you haven't, if you didn't hear it with Doug Yeaman, a fantastic show on what's really happening to our food production and yeah. how in the state of Utah, even food that's grown here and sold here, it leaves the state to go get packaged or inspected and then comes back in. So then it is controlled by at least the FDA and the federal government and sometimes even the United Nations. So um, that is something that you, we really, we just trust, don't, don't just trust us. We want you to get yeah. educated, but that is something you really need to do your research on because food shortages are real. They are yeah. not something that might happen someday. We really need to be prepared that if you believe in the scriptures at all, the scriptures are very clear yeah. that we do need to be prepared and that that will happen. Exactly. And so in order to prepare for that, you know, um, last year I, I pulled a budget of the top 10 items that I bought last year and I, I spent a hundred dollars, let's say on food. I compared those same top 10 items to this week and what I would have bought. And I'm paying $20 more for that same hundred dollars in food. And that's just basic things like milk and bread and eggs and um, right. fruit and, you know, a case of pop occasionally. And so, you know, we are experiencing inflation. And so I just encourage people to, to start putting something away because in the future, it may be worth $20 more than what you're spending today. Well, it will. I, can, I just can't see it not being worth more, no matter yeah. how much more it will be worth more. Yeah. So it is a good investment. And really when things, no matter, no matter what you invest in, you can never go wrong by investing in food. Although you do want to rotate it yeah. and you want to get food that if it's, if you're, if, well, you'll probably go into this about getting food that you eat because that's food storage. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that's where you say you start with what you eat. So if you yes. like peanut butter, you want to get peanut butter. If you um, need cheese, you want to get cheese, those types of things. Um, start there. And like I said, you're going to work up to the, a week's supply and a month's supply of what you eat. 
I wouldn't look at a longer term food storage unless it's something that you eat like rice. Do you like rice? Then go ahead and, and eat and get rice and put that. Do you like wheat? Do you like to make your own bread? But really, you need to start with what you would eat in the immediate time. When you're working up to rice and beans and wheat and a lot of the longer term stuff, you know, that, that's all good. But if you can't feed yourself in the short term, then that's not going to help you. You need to be able to eat for the next 30, 60 days. And, you know, people get overwhelmed with it. And I tell people, yeah, the goal might be to get one year, you know, but right. let's just start with one month so that you're not overwhelmed. Yes. I feel bad because I think people just think, oh, I got to have a year supply. And no, and then they do nothing because they can't, it's just, they can't bite that much off. So they do nothing. But yes, I love that. Just do a month. Do two weeks if you have to All start All the case lot sales are going to be coming out at the stores in the end of September and October. It's a great time to stock up on some canned goods that you would eat. And so, and we usually find better prices of those things. Um, you know, so I, I would definitely, yes. this is a great time to get started. That's great advice. And I, I love... I like buying like the beans and the legumes and the rice, like the dried beans that are not canned just because they are really a really good price. They do require cooking, soaking and cooking, but the prices on them are really fantastic if you can, if you can afford a bag of those and just get one at a time of something because that really will feed you. Plus, even if, if you just get, you know, black beans, which I happen to love, but and I love variety, but I might end up bartering with someone and trading. Yeah. They might have beans or something or, you know, like green beans or carrots that I might want to trade. So there is something to get. Yeah. Get a good deal. Get a good well, deal I, and get quantity. I don't think it's a coincidence that right now two of the least expensive items are beans and rice. And you right. might not like them after you've eaten right. them for a month. However, oh, yeah. beans and rice together are a perfect protein. Yes. You can live off beans and rice, and they are very inexpensive. However, and they're you know, very healthy. For they're the going to give you energy and protein. Yes. They're very filling and very satisfying. And you can add different spices, and that will really help make them taste different and give you some variety. But they will keep you alive, and that is the most important thing. Correct. You know, and an example when you talk about Doug Yaman and the food shortages is, for example, India uh, last week indicated that they will stop all rice exports of non-Basmati yes. rice. Well, right. in India and Mexico, Japan, China, the non-Basmati rice is actually the most preferred rice for them. And so that put a really big dent in the rice um, crisis. And so, you know, they went, they, they doubled practically overnight at that announcement because India is a large rice exporter. So again, there's an example of going and buying your rice now, which it yes. may be worth more in the future to barter with or to trade with or to have, you know. Yeah, to have, because you can do a lot of things with rice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can make rice pudding, you can have a sweet dish. Rice is one yes. of my favorite staples in your food storage because you can use it long-term and you can use it sh um, short-term as well. It's one of my favorites. It, it does last very well. Yeah. yeah, it does last. And almost everybody can eat rice, even if you are gluten intolerant or something like that. The majority of people can eat a, a rice diet or some form of that, you know. 
Good point. Yes, that's true. Because most yeah. people can eat rice. And yeah. The other thing is you need to be aware of what your food allergies are. If you're gluten intolerant, you certainly don't want to be buying a whole bunch of wheat. Um, <laughs> you know, if you're a diabetic, you do not want to load up on a bunch of rice and wheat and potato flakes because that would be have high glycemic value to you and probably not be very healthy. And that's another reason I think to store food and to start is that you need to store foods that are appropriate for your diet. If you um, are a vegetarian, you certainly do not want to store freeze-dried chicken. You know, those types of things. You need to be able to have a substitute for what your family eats and, you know, think about those types of things. So. Yes, very good. I agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have a couple of minutes left. Do you have any other last minute tips for us on anything else? <laughs> well, my top three things to, to start with are water. Number one is water yes. because we cannot go three days with, you know, yes. without water. And so the other thing is, is if you've got a small space, like you live in an apartment or a condo, just look around and, and find some spaces. Um, we've gone into places where they have put them at the very back of their closet and lined up water bottles behind their shoes. Maybe at the very top of your closet, under your bed is a good space. Sometimes in stairs, underneath the stairs, um, you know, look around and really try to be creative as to where you could put some water, where you could hide a couple boxes of rice that weren't, wouldn't be seen out in the middle of the floor, that type of thing, and, and really get creative. Um, you know, that that's just, I know that there's a lot of people worried about space, but I think that's really important. good advice. I, I have a friend who's a single mom and she was very worried. She's very worried about food storage. And so she asked me to come over and help her. And, and I went over and then she showed me what she had and she was so creative. She did just what you're saying. She found little places mm -hmm. that were not used and she put some shelves and just stacked at the very back of the closet yeah. where she couldn't reach her clothes anyway. And it's just tucked back there. It's out of the way. And she just underneath anything that she wasn't seen and she just tucked it all over and got some shelves and stacked up in her garage so she could have water storage there and she did an excellent job and I was so impressed with how much she had and she did exactly what you said she just bought she just every time she went to the store she just bought a couple of extra things yeah. every time and she just put them away she just put them in her storage and and amassed really an amazing storage for herself and her children i had somebody tell me that they um went to ikea and bought some risers for their bed so that it raised uh -huh. the bed off the floor yes. and it gave them an 18 inch clearance to be able to put some of the black and yellow totes, the black totes with the yellow mm -hmm. lid, the clear totes, and they could easily slide those under their bed. And, and I just, did, I did cardboard boxes. I did cardboard. that on 18, 18 inches is so great because you can really fit a lot of stuff. It's amazing how much I fit under a 16 or a queen size bed. Yeah. I mean, it is amazing how much I fit down there. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. And see, it's out of the way. You have your, skirt around the bed no one can see it no one even knows it's there and it's just right there and then it's still accessible if yeah. i need it i can get to it i can rotate it because it's 
And oh, another thing that I just am thinking of, whenever I buy food, I always write, I write the month and the year that I bought it just in really big. So I don't have to try to find and search for the, uh, I just write that real big as I put it away. And that way it helps me to rotate it so that I'm like not getting something that I just bought last month. I'm I'm sure to get something that I've had the longest. And, you know, as time goes on, I think a really good thing to ask ourselves as we're out buying things, because I, I, you know, so many of us have things we don't need, but ask yourself if you can eat, can I eat this item? Will it serve its purpose in the next six months, one year or five years? And just change your mindset a little bit into one of, you know, could I eat it? Could I share it? Um, Because so many of us really do maybe waste a lot of money on things that are unnecessary you know yeah does this have the value does this reach to the highest good yeah does this does this warrant the value that it costs is this going to when in in a year or two years or five years if i should need food what what will i be glad i did which i think you really do have to kind of get this in five years if i didn't have food which would i rather if you're willing you're more willing to make a sacrifice now if you see it that way than at that time will i care that i have this treat or will i wish that i would have food storage yeah yeah anyway i hope that people will get to the point where they'll see it as not only necessary but they can have some fun doing it and they don't necessarily look at it as a burden and that it is a simple task and again i just tell people just start just see what happens if you start and and keep increasing that over time and it's just a really simple fun way to get started yeah, it is intended. It's it. It really can include your kids, and when they realize what you're doing and you add them in, it can be fun for them. And then they realize that this is valuable and it serves them. They get on board and they're like, "Well, do you want to have that, or would you rather get this?" And let's put it away. Yeah. And um, we had a son that always wanted to take food storage with him whenever we went on a vacation. He would take canned food in his bag. He's like, I just want to be prepared. I just want, if anything happens, it was so hilarious. I just want to be sure we're prepared. If anything happens, I want to have food. So, um, yeah, I thought that was really great. It was wonderful. He really understood how important it was to be prepared. And I think one more little thing is, you know, take advantage of other people that are getting rid of food or, or, you know, for example, I have been to a couple of the state sales where people have been getting rid of their grandmother or their mother's rice or their food storage. Now, wheat's good for 30 years. We tested it, and it's also been good long after that. If it sprouts, it's great. Sometimes they're giving away that food storage. I see on KSL, Classifieds, and Facebook Marketplace, free food storage all the time, or food storage that's really treat, really inexpensive. You know, take advantage of that to help your family. It's such a good feeling when you can feel independent and that you can stand on your own two feet and that you have a little bit more freedom and it frees up other funds to be able to do other things in the future. Yeah. They're just happy for someone else to haul it away because if someone passed away, they're just getting rid of everything and they don't want to haul it. So that is a great blessing to them and a huge blessing for you. Yeah. Huge blessing. Okay, well, I just want to invite everyone, find something that you can do. And as Tenna has advised us, just start. Just get started with something small and simple, something simple and get started. And it's amazing how that will get the ball rolling and mushroom and keep us going. 
So because this really is a time I'm promising you, you will not regret having storage. There's so many things that can happen. You will never be going, I wish I didn't have a food storage. I've never heard anyone say that. I don't believe it can happen. I don't believe that you can regret it. I think you'll be very pleased. But you do want to buy food that you like and that you will eat. Yes. You just have a bunch of wheat. You might say that. Because <laughs> you're just like, I'm so tired of eating wheat and flour. So, yes. well, thank you, Tana. Thank you so thank much for you. being with us. And want to remind everyone of the upcoming events and to get prepared to celebrate Constitution Month in September. Remember, September 6th is the Timothy Barton event. Remember, Freedom's Light is September 14th, 15th, and 16th. And then David Barton is September 17th. And we look forward to seeing you. And remember, you are the guardian of your liberty.